on one hand, we need to make sure that the devices are secure, that they are not sending data to where they're not intended. But the problem is that, you know, sometimes it's hard for users to understand what's going on because many users are not technical. Hi, I'm Marianne Bohr with HIMSS. In this episode, we're sitting down with Danny Huang, Assistant Professor of Electrical and Computer Engineering at the NYU Tandon School of Engineering. Today, we'll be talking about how NYU collaborates across engineering, medical, and cybersecurity centers to study the security and privacy issues with healthcare technology. And before we start, I'd like to say thank you to the NYU Cyber Fellows Program at NYU Tandon School of Engineering for sponsoring this podcast. Danny, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Can you please tell us a little bit about your background and your research focus? Yeah, sure. Um, so my name is Danny Huang. I'm assistant professor at NYU. Uh, Department of Electrical and Computer Engineering. Uh, my background is in uh, IoT, security and privacy. So IoT stands for Internet of Things. Basically, these are internet connected devices like um, your TVs, your smart speakers, even today your cars, your light bulbs, and increasingly so, medical devices that um, you know take your blood pressure, take your heart rate, and transmit that information to some companies or third parties. So that's my background, understanding the security and privacy of all these connected things in your house, on your body, everywhere. So that's my background. Oh, that's great. Now, I'm not familiar with NYU's Center for Cybersecurity. So could you tell me a little bit more about that? Absolutely. Um, So this is a center uh, with uh, dozens of uh, core faculty members doing various things related to security and privacy. Uh, we have uh, three main pillars of work. One uh, is in industry partnership. One is actually doing the research, and the actual another one is a education program. So, in terms of industry partnership, uh, we are quite heavily involved and committed to working with industry partners. And we have an advisory council that helps us uh, guide our cyber programs and send employees to our educational programs and engage in speaking and teaching opportunities and sponsor research. So that's one pillar in industry partnership. And the second pillar is uh, a part of the, uh, we're part of the Center for Cybersecurity where you know we actually do the research on say machine learning, security, networking, and anything basically that has to do with uh, cybersecurity, human level, technical level. So that's where I come in most uh, closely related with. And the third pillar is in our cyber educational programs. We, uh, I think we offer three master's degrees. We have a cyber fellows program online where we actually give scholarships to uh, folks with full-time jobs to learn more about the latest in cybersecurity. Uh, we have uh, cybersecurity risk and strategy, um, joint with law school and management of technology. And we have uh, recently a CISO uh, executive certification program. So that's what we do, three pillars uh, within uh, our program. So that's a very high-level overview. Well, that's excellent. Now, broadly speaking, how do you think about the security and privacy issues in healthcare technology? My biggest question is, we don't know, which is my biggest, this is the thing I ask. We don't know what we don't know. That's really concerning. Often hear about the news reports, anecdotal reports about how, you know, oh, this thing was hacked or that insulin monitor is leaking private data to some parties. But there hasn't been a systematic study of how bad in terms of security and privacy for many different kinds of devices from different vendors. Like we've heard of, you know, here and there from tweets and from blog posts about how, Oh, this one single vendor, this one single device, how this one single app may have problems, but not systematically. And that's where I come in. I want to understand this with my uh, co-authors and team of researchers at NYU 
just systematically. Basically, number one, what's in the ecosystem of all these uh, um, patient monitoring devices? What's in the ecosystem? Number two, how bad are they in terms of security and privacy? So two major questions. What are all the devices? And number two, how bad are they? We don't know what we don't know. So we will start with the first one, just understanding landscape first, ecosystem first, and then we'll proceed to understanding security and privacy. That's my high level take to your answer, to your question. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Now, security and privacy, of course, are often seen as kind of a trade-off. So how do you think about the balance between the two? Just to clarify, security and privacy, they're often trade-offs with, say, convenience and usability. Commonly, you have you know, apps or devices that are very user-friendly, but then they have, they have issues uh, with security and privacy. One reason is because um, they have the default values built in. For example, uh, if you look at, say, the world of, say, you know, cameras at home, that's the easiest example. You know, you buy a camera at home, uh, it comes with default passwords, you don't have to deal with it. But then, you know, the default password makes it super easy for attackers to get access to your cameras and just see what's going on in your home network. That's a major argument in studying security, privacy, and usability of internet-connected devices, including medical devices. You know, how do we balance usability and security, privacy? Like on one hand, we need to make sure that the devices are secure, that they are not sending data to where they are not intended. But the problem is that, you know, sometimes it's hard for users to understand what's going on because many users are not technical. You give them, say, an insulin pump or something. To them, it is a device. It is a box. It is a black box. Users don't understand how it works, and they just use it. I mean, you could tell the users, you know, uh, in full that, hey, by, you know, using this device, you agree to this and this and this and this, all the terms. It may turn users away because of the lack of usability. So there's a balance between, you know, telling users in full versus telling users a bit of it. So this is a usability issue as well. Just taking the, the camera example, right, you know, Default password, which makes it easy to use, but it's not secure, versus uh, you know something that's secure but requires users, uh, um, you know, say full consent or uh, configuration. That problem we also potentially would see on medical devices. We don't want users to you know deal with knobs and different you know configurations. We want something to be working, secure, out of the box. But uh, maybe everyone has their own unique needs. Let me take one, one, one concrete example, just staying away from cameras a little bit. Many uh, health-related apps talk to data aggregation services like Google Fit and Apple Health. To some, this may be fine, just sharing data with Google and Apple. But to some, this may not be fine. They want to have their Fitbit or whatever uh, health data on their devices themselves without sharing with Google and uh, Apple. It really depends on you know, users' individual preferences, how they want to do it. And I think my argument is that we need to support an ecosystem of helping users understand exactly what's going on with their apps, with their devices, before they can make an uh, informed decision as to whether to share the data with Apple or Google or some other healthcare providers. Yes, everybody does seem to have their different place where they're comfortable with how much or how little they share. So Danny, your specific interest lies in IoT security. So could you please tell me more about that work? Sure. This is a broader picture. But in general, we are just surrounded by so many internet-connected devices. TVs, speakers, plugs, light bulbs, and even cars today are internet-connected. There are a few problems to understand the security and privacy. I mean, the biggest issue is that they're black boxes. You know, we buy this thing, they sit at home. They listen to us, you know, they, they, they monitor our movements, they're in our cars, you know, where they, they know where we are. But the thing is, we don't know how they work. We don't know how they work because they're black boxes. We don't know what's running on their 
system. We don't know the code. We don't know what data they're sending, to whom the data is being sent to, and how the recipient would use the information. We don't know because they're black boxes. I mean, there's the terms of services, uh, but these uh, TOS terms of services are usually written in very opaque manner, and I doubt I doubt people actually read it. <laughs> so, uh, given this opaque world, um, researchers like me are very curious. You know, other than just anecdotal reports, you know, from tweets and blog posts about how individual devices are bad in terms of security and privacy, is there a way to systematically figure out how bad the ecosystem is? It's hard because these are devices. You know, ideally, as a as a researcher, I would buy you know thousands of devices into my lab and just have a team of researchers, grad students, analyze them. That would be the ideal goal, but obviously, it's not feasible because we don't have the budget to buy thousands of devices, and there are always devices we don't know. You know, we are living in the United States, but I'm sure there are other devices we can't buy here that are in other parts of the world. Having a systematic understanding is very hard because these are physical devices, physical black boxes. It's hard for us to just you know analyze them in the lab. That's the biggest problem to understand. This is the biggest barrier against understanding the security and privacy of many of these devices. Uh, different vendors and how they are doing in terms of you know security and privacy practices. To deal with this issue, we ask ourselves: Okay, since we can't get these devices in our labs, we can ask for help, right? Maybe person A has device X, and person B has device Y, and person C has device Z from all around the world. We can ask them for help. This is the core essence of our research. You know, instead of analyzing devices. Whether it be just smart lights, smart cars, medical devices in our lab, why don't we just ask people's help and move our lab to people's homes? So that's what we do. We uh, we build a piece of software called IoT Inspector. It doesn't sit in our lab, but rather it sits in real people's smart homes. It sits in real people's real user smart homes from all around the world. In fact, right now. It's sitting on close to seven thousand smart homes from all around the world since two thousand and nineteen. Seven thousand smart homes, and this piece of software does two things. Number one, it gathers data for us with consent, of course. It gathers data, network data, security and privacy related data from seven thousand homes across close to seventy、uh, thousand devices from all around the world for us. This is the one thing. Number one thing that it does for us, but number two, you might ask, you know, why would these users be bothered to help us? You know, we're we're not paying these users. Why would they want to run a piece of software in their homes written by these NYU researchers? Why would they want to help us? Well, this piece of software provides a dashboard for users. This piece of software, if you download it, will show you a dashboard of all devices in your home, various visualizations. Of your device's activities, for example, oh, your smart TV is、uh, communicating with an advertising service at Adobe and Google, or your camera is、uh, sending a you know one megabit per second to this random、uh, server in another part of the world. So all these visualizations can potentially help users understand what their devices, being black boxes, are really doing behind the scenes, and if there are security and privacy issues. For example. Take cameras for example. I have a camera, and if it starts spewing out、uh, packets to some random countries in the world, I might get suspicious. You know, is my camera hacked? Or、uh, you know, my smart TV is sending uh, uh, traffic to say、um, some advertisers. I may be concerned. 
okay, I'm just you know watching my TV. Why is my TV talking to advertisers? These are the two things that IoT Inspector does. Number one, collects data for us uh, from uh, 7,000 real-world smart homes. In doing so, we have a, a large data set of uh, network traffic from just all these smart devices. And number two, it helps users understand security and privacy in a, a friendly manner. So that's the core of our research. We gather a large data set of real-world IoT traffic from all around the world, not just smart light bulbs, smart plugs, smart cars, but uh, in the in near future, also smart medical devices. And uh, basically, we're moving our labs to the real world, and we can analyze um, the security and privacy practices. So that's the, the high-level bit. Fantastic. And now you're partnering with Langone on healthcare security issues. How did that collaboration come to fruition, as it seems like a perfect interdisciplinary collaboration to address the issues we cover here at HIMSS? There are basically two uh, storylines how this uh, collaboration happened. So I first got to know Odette Knopf. He's a professor at Technology Management and Innovation Department, uh, which is also part of the, uh, the School of Engineering. He talked a little bit about medical devices, and he mentioned that Langon is interested in understanding about the security and privacy of these devices. And I told him that that's great because I know that there's some interest, especially also from the government, to understand security and privacy practices of some of these devices in terms of the software supply chain. I want to bring up software supply chain because um, that's a major issue, especially, you know, if you, there's a piece of news from a few days ago about uh, how uh, Virginia Democrat Senator Mark Warner, he's pushing for a, a bill to, to fix cybersecurity issues for health systems. And one of the things that uh, Senator Warner and many other folks in the department I want to look at is the supply chain of uh, um, devices, in particular, medical devices and also just IoT devices in general. So what I mean is, is that, uh, you know, you're looking at this black box, this medical device black box. You don't know what's running there. You don't know what code is going on there. Uh, this code could be uh, vulnerable. This code could have uh, bugs. You know, one day this code may be exploited by attackers to, you know, take over your home or look at your camera or, or footages or, you know, get your health data. All of these are possible because we don't know what's running on these systems and we don't know what code is there. And there's no way to, 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 to make sure that this code is, uh, is secure. I talked to ODEF about this and, uh, you know, that's how the collaboration came about. You know, I have IoT Inspector, uh, one of the, uh, the goals for our research is actually look at the, the supply chain software supply chain of IoT devices. So, you know, that's a natural extension to medical devices, especially given that, you know, medical devices are really, really, really critical. So that's how uh, we, the collaboration came about. Now, he knows some folks at the, uh, the medical school, and we thought that, you know, we'll start from there. I see. Now, aside from research, what's NYU doing to further the educational demands and the workforce challenges around cybersecurity? We have a cyber fellows program. So this is a program where um, professionals in the workforce can do this online program and sometimes with scholarships just to learn more about cybersecurity in a systematic manner. Not just taking classes in, say, cybersecurity, but also like, say, networking and machine learning and every you know, related field that are super important to cybersecurity. So I think this is the main force toward educating um, just professionals about cybersecurity. This program does not only uh, target professionals in the workforce, but also targets uh, uh, CISOs as well. We have, a, uh, we have recently launched a, uh, a CISO 
executive certification program. That's the, that's the bulk of it. I see. Well, Danny, thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing your insights. And special thanks to the NYU Cyber Fellows Program at NYU Tandon School of Engineering for sponsoring this podcast. Have a fantastic rest of your day. All right. Thanks for having me.